At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome back to the Eyes on Isles free episode edition. I am your host, James Nichols, and with me is my good friend, Joe Buono. What's up, pal? James, we've reached August. Nothing is happening. How you doing? <laughs> it's truly the, the dog days of summer, right? I'm, I'm doing well, and uh, as I feel most of us in the Islander community have begun to accept, we were, all right, we're like, it's August. You know what? Let me have a summer we put my phone down and let me just like do something else rather than just constantly refresh you know whatever it is i'm looking for for my news and right just, just do something for me yeah neither one of us are headed to a cottage um maybe a beach house though but not not a cottage here in august yeah um, but we'd like a break to just know the news happened and not feel like you could put your phone down for a few hours at the beach and then find out later uh, that uh, you missed the signings finally happening from the team, yeah. the team account, right? And then having to rush over to a laptop or, or your phone to get something out. But, um, yeah. you know, we had to wait till September 1st last year. Things kind of were delayed a season ago with, uh, with the COVID season and things getting pushed back. So thought maybe earlier than September, but, but maybe not. Well, I mean, it's funny, right? Because I think you you said this to me last week, and it was a good point that you know other teams, if if there's going to be a trade, other look teams, forward to right. Other other teams are going to announce that trade, and you know the season before when Lamarello pulled the similar stunt and waiting mm-hmm. till September, uh, he he doesn't have that same luxury because he doesn't have somebody being plucked in ex- an expansion draft right. freeing up cap space. You know, so he has to make a move here. And if he does make that move and when he does make that move, the other team's not going to hesitate to announce that trade. So, you know, this there's still the possibility. It's only August 8th as we're recording this, that uh, a, a move will be made sooner than June. We have about, uh, what is it, 20, 21 days for, for the rest of the for the rest of the month or 20, 22 days for the rest of the month. So, um yeah, it's a different type of waiting game this year. And I wrote about this on Isles on Isles that last year you saw the dominoes fall where you knew that they were freeing up cap space to bring back their own players. They lost Everly in the expansion draft. They had to make the trade with Arizona to dump the Andrew Ladd contract. They made the trade with Detroit to move Nick Letty. And yep. then it was quiet. And you knew just by moving those contracts that allowed them the opportunity to bring back everyone, including 
Paul Mary, who was a free agent, and then also bringing back Sezikis, extend Bo, who was an RFA. And then also, obviously, they got deals done with both Pelic and, and Pulak um, later, a little bit later on uh, for Pulak in October. And then really the only ones that they did not announce and kind of gave their own attention to was Parisi a week or so later and then Chara. But there was no other domino that needed to fall that required them at that point to move another player to announce a potential signing. And here it's yeah. here it's a very, very different scenario to where if you believe what people are now more firmly believing across all hockey circles that the Kadri deal is in the drawer, as is the Romanov and Dobson RFA signings, um, any leverage that Lamarillo thinks he would get by not announcing them, I, I, you got to question that because people are going to understand what the Islanders need to try to do when that phone call rings. I'm not sure how exactly it all works out and what the, you know, how he feels like it's tilting the scale potentially in his favor by not announcing it. I'm sure there's sound reasoning for it, but you can't expect that they're going to be that much of a benefit. And if there was a trade that was that obvious to make, it hasn't been happened now, happened yet. And I guess maybe he's waiting for some other things to happen with other teams that put a squeeze on them to where they need to make a move. Yeah, it's an interesting situation, too, because I was listening to Andrew Gross recently, and he was talking about how, you know, Lamorello was asked the question, like, what's your strategy in, and literally, word for word, what's your strategy in in waiting to announce the signings? How does that benefit you? And he danced around the question and didn't give a straight-up answer. And so we really don't know what his his mindset is on why he keeps these trades or or transactions so close to his chest before you know finally unleashing a plethora of them all at the same time in one press release um but i do want to backtrack a little bit and and just make note of we we, we just touched on ryan pollock and and his extension last i, I believe it was in october when he signed that yeah, extension. Right the season mm-hmm. what's interesting to me about that one is that if you remember he wasn't actually due for a contract until this summer so that was something he actually got done early and who's due for a contract next summer? Matthew Barzell. Now, I'm not saying that there is something going on there. I don't know. Um, but you wonder if all of these things that haven't been announced, if one of those dominoes is to help the Barzell domino fall in an extension there, something to contemplate, not really anything we can go long-winded on. Um, I but- heard Barzell was getting traded uh, earlier this season. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, okay, so let's talk about that for a second. There's been some chatter about Matthew Barzell, and I believe the team in the destination was, what, the Red Wings? Right. Look, this is, it's August. We're reaching for something to talk about, or or, and not not we, Joe and I. Uh, it, it's right. Not this time. General. Yeah, not this time. <laughs> um, there are writers out there who are, are reaching for things to write about. It's not so different than what I believe another writer a month ago wrote about Dobson and Vancouver. Matthew Barzell's not getting traded. He's especially not getting traded to the Detroit Red Wings. Not this year. Uh, no, not this year. Um, and you know, I, I believe based on his exit interview last, uh, when was it? April, he he'll he'll be signing a, another contract here. I, I I can I can say that with confidence. Um, we'll see how the season plays out. But that, you know, again, one of the things I was wondering was if one of these dominoes that are that have not fallen yet uh, was the possibility that that Lamorello figures out Barzell early, like he did with uh, Ryan Pollock. So 
there's a few dominoes here, like we said earlier. Uh, you know, Kadri could be one of them. Um, and we spoke last week about players who might have to get offloaded in the case that Kadri comes in. There seems to be a bit of confusion, Joe, uh, in when we spoke about JG Pajo, some had believed that we were saying, oh, just get rid of Pajo in order to bring in Kadri. And it's not really that's not really the situation, right? You bring in Kadri because you want to bring in an impact player because, let's face it, as of right now, even though he will be 32, he is that player. However, you're not offloading Pajot in a cap dump, right? What is it no. that 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 they're doing in trading Pajot if that were to come to fruition? Yeah, they're bringing in an impact winger. And uh, I think the one that we talked about, which still makes a lot of sense, is, is JT Miller um, because the Islanders were engaged with trade talks with the Vancouver Canucks during the draft, those things fall, fell apart. We don't know whether or not the 13th pick was uh, the centerpiece of the deal or if other players were discussed. But Miller's in a position where Vancouver does not seem to be um, where he's going to get that extension. And if you're the Canucks, are you going to get more for him during the offseason or are you going to get more for him at the trade deadline? You're not going to, you're probably going to get more from now and get a full year that you're going to be able to trade him, plus the team might want to negotiate an extension uh, with him um, rather than him being off for a, a pure rental um, situation. So, you know, if you're going to move a Pajot or a Beauvillier, that is not taking the place of the salary dump to fit in Kadri and just try to get draft picks back. That's not what James and I or probably anyone else that has made that, um, put that out there is thinking. What they're thinking is, is that if you have Kadri as part of the fold, you may now have someone like Pajot because of the position that he plays expendable that can now get you at someone else that brings a more balanced fit to the lineup and could be a little bit more explosive offensively. That's really the only scenario. No one wants to see JG Pajot off this team, understand the intangibles he brings. One of the best third line centers and wins faceoffs, which are integral part of big time hockey and playoff hockey. But that is the only scenario where I think the Islanders should or could entertain um moving him right you deal from a position of strength and they're four deep at the center position their best prospect is a center who he could be uh in Aturatu. he could be in the nhl as soon as you know maybe the middle of this season if he seriously impresses but you know again that's gonna have to be something that comes with you know maybe some injuries or or whatnot um but however the the roster right now as currently constructed holds four solid nhl centers so you you deal from a position of strength, and it's one of those quote unquote hockey trades that we have heard about and have yet to have seen. So if you're moving a Pajot, you're not just offloading him in a cap dump, much like how you know you would do with a Josh Bailey. You move Pajot because he can get you something of significance in return. And you're going to tell me if if you can add Kadri and a you know for instance J T Miller. You wouldn't do it just because you want to keep JG Pajo. No, you're a much better team, especially on paper, uh, with Kadri and JT Miller in the equation minus Pajo. Right. And Pajo is just one name out there. There might be another way to get JT Miller that doesn't sure. include Pajo, right? I mean, Anthony Beauvillier probably still has a lot of upside, is young enough, has a mod more modest contract. Could Beauvillier plus additional assets become attractive enough to to get Miller? Um Possibly. I mean, I think right now, if you're the Islanders, given the state of your prospect pool, you're not looking to give up 
and not to rock two or, or William DeFore. You probably would give up another first round pick if it came to it for a fourth consecutive year, given what the team is trying to do based on how they're constructed, constructed and age wise. But, you know, this doesn't, this doesn't mean that, you know, in order to get JT Miller, you have to part with JG Paggio. There might be another package Islanders could do as well. And, Maybe there's just a bit of a staring contest right now where Vancouver is waiting to see what teams are still going to maybe be calling. And the Islanders are waiting to see the asking price maybe go down or change if uh, from where it was come at the draft. Right. And that that's exactly it. So you wonder, too, if the Islanders are going to be able to extend Miller and that that probably changes, you know, what Lamorello is forking over in terms of compensation going to Vancouver, because if he does sign an extension, then you're talking about, okay, if he's going to be here for another, let's say he signs for six years, you can give up the two years left on Bavillier because you're compensating for that with JT Miller and then some. So um, it's, it's quite possible that it's in flux. Maybe, maybe that's something that's uh, one of those dominoes that hasn't Mm -hmm. fallen over yet. Uh, and something something interesting that I, I had heard uh, earlier today, too, and a perspective I didn't think about, right? We're talking about a, a 29, soon-to-be 30-year-old who the Islanders might trade for. We're talking about a 32-year-old center by the time the puck drops for the start of the season in Kadri. Uh, these are two guys who are not, quote-unquote, young in terms of NHL age. However... And this was the the line that I had heard earlier today uh, or this week. The 80-year-old general manager does not see the 30-year-old or 32-year-old player as an old player. And that just is something and a perspective that I sat there and I said to myself, wow, I did not think of that when thinking about you know all of these players who are 30-plus years old getting contracts with some term. And it makes perfect sense to me. Well, I can tell you the uh, 40-year-old uh, podcast co-host doesn't think of uh, 29, 30-year-olds as uh, <laughs> as old old players either. I mean, I think we've seen the good and the bad when it comes to players at 34, 35, and 36. You know, there are certain, you know, Sidney Crosby turned 35. Where's his Did production at? Oh, uh, Alexander Ovechkin. He's slowing down, right? So there's, there's, uh, I mean, these are, I mean, these are Hall of Fame type caliber players, yeah. but it just, just, we're just talking about people being able to maintain their level of play. And if the commitment is there and they stay in, stay in good enough shape and they avoid serious injury, you know, given the way sports and athletics and how closely these players are monitored um, and what they do in the offseason to stay in shape, you, more likely than not, again, barring serious injuries, going to see more productive 33, 34, 35-year-olds um, in the league moving forward. Um, not to say there won't be a bit of a dip in production. I think that is a given, but you just don't want to have it to where you're not getting anything close to the player that you acquired and or signed, and uh, now you're stuck with a hefty contract that requires you to add a lot of assets and sweeteners in order to unload it, You know, like the Andrew Ladd deal. Yeah, it makes perfect sense to me. Um, again, just something I, I hadn't thought about until I heard it, and I was like, "Holy crap!" Yeah, I never thought of that perspective. Uh, These guys great- were born in the uh, they were born in the early '80s, like yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> so just just something to think about when when pondering, you know, why why would these players get get this kind of term, uh, this kind of contract? Well, 
you know, again, you, you look at the Joe Pavelski around the league and, and you hope for that kind of graceful aging. Um, and, and you you worry a little bit that, you know, maybe instead it's the Zdeno Chara type aging. Well, um, I mean, what was your Dano Chara at 37 or 38? That's a good point, though, right? Yeah, because at 45, sure, he wasn't that great. But at 37, he was still largely regarded as one of the one of the better uh, defenders around the, around the league, at least defensively. So yeah, if you're taking a deal at 34, 35, that's different, I think, than 37, 38, 39. You know, Kadri being 32 and getting an extension if it's five, six years is going to take him into that upper 30s. Sure. That's kind of a bit of more of an uncharted territory at a big, big number. But you know, 29, a six year deal that takes you to 35. You know, that's going to be par for the course the way the NHL free agency breaks down and when these players often hit the market at what ages. Yeah, and it wouldn't be a surprise to me that if and when this Kadri deal does finally get signed, that is front loaded, right? He makes all of his money, you know, uh, at the beginning of the contract, and it becomes less and less as the years go on, probably from year four and on. So uh, we'll, we'll see about that. But we talk about improving the Islander offense, right? And you wrote a great piece today on how the Islanders need more offense from their defense. Um, and from those not named Noah Dobson, and you said Ryan Pollock is the most likely to provide it. I thought it was an excellent point, uh, something I had said in the past. Talk to us a little bit about uh, what you wrote today on Ryan Pollock. Well, you look at the rest of the defense core and you say, where could there be more offensive production? I think Adam Pollock shows glimpses of really talented skating in the shop, but it doesn't come consistently. When Ryan Pulak first came up to the Islanders, he was touted as a guy that can have a rifle of a shot yeah. on the power play. And you go back two seasons ago, 2021, he'd had his best season defensively. Him and Adam Pellick were a shutdown defensive pair, didn't allow high danger opportunities. But from an offensive perspective, he only had one assist on the power play all year long, Ryan Pulak in 2021. Right. And remember, he shot an awful, I think it was one and a half percent was the shooting percentage in 2021. 1.2. It's 1.2. So you put that aside and you go, that's an aberration. And he actually played well. He got, I think, four goals in 19 games in the playoffs that year. So heading into this season, you're expecting more of an uptick. Now he finished with five goals. He only played 56 games. He missed 25 games um, due to the injury that happened in Tampa Bay in late November. But he only he scored, he only had two goals going into the final, like, eight to 10 games of the year. So it was a very similar type of season in terms of the lack of offensive production. And I could not find, maybe you know where to find, I could not find that statistic that showed points by defensemen based on team and where the Islanders ranked compared to maybe other teams. But there's often a very simple correlation between the teams that make the playoffs are the ones that have defenses that score and the ones that miss it do not. Right. And I, I'd be curious because I, I found an article back in 2016, um, the second of the two back-to-back 100-point seasons that the Jack Capuano Islanders had, and they talked about the offense that came from the defense that year, and Capuano makes all these quotes about, hey, look, you look at the standings and you look at the teams that are in the playoffs, those are the teams that get points and goals from their defense. And it was true. Seven out of the eight teams in the East were among the top eight teams that had um, the most goals and points in, in the league. Could not find it again. I apologize. I could not find that information readily available on all the on the sites I looked at. But it makes a lot of sense. Um, now the Islanders, with the style they played over the last few years, I wonder if they were an outlier. I wonder because they were so defensive focused that they wouldn't have been within the eight top ten or fifteen in that category, but still made the playoffs. Very quite possibly they were. But you know we're all expecting them to have a little bit more of an offensive 
um, tilt to them this year under um, Lane Lambert. And I'm not talking about huge numbers. I'm not expecting, you know, 15 goals and 40 assists and 55 points from Ryan Pulak, but can he score 10 to 12? Can he put up close to 35 to 40 points? That's what he did in, in 19 and 20. So he's done it before and we know he has the shot and I would love to see him and Adam Pellick add that part of their game where they're already one of the best defensive pairs in the game, but they have more probably offense and the ability to help the team that way. And if they're not going to make, you know, if they get even with Kadri, in order to be a more balanced offensive team, more than Noah Dobson's got to score for the Blue. Yeah, so I'm looking up the uh, the stat now, and um, I believe it's a, something that you can find on Stat Muse. I just don't think I'm typing it in the right way because you. Search. I was trying a long time. I was trying. I got to Stat oh, Muse yeah? a few different times. I could not. I could not find it. Yeah, so I was trying to find it just now. Uh, it, it's it's got to be the, the wording is a little wonky on that on that website. You have to specifically type in uh, the, mm-hmm. the the absolute correct wording for the statistic to come up. But you're you're right in regards to uh, everything you had said about Pollock, right? He's a former two time ten goal scorer uh, in two. Yeah, he's done it seasons. before. Not asking he's, for anything crazy. Yeah, he scored nine uh, one season in between his two 10-goal seasons. He's floated between 32 and 37 points between those three. So, um, you know, the 2020-21 season was really the outlier where he only had two goals. And and like you said, it was like a 1.2 shooting percentage. He had five last season, and it was in the same amount of games. Of James, he had 35 points in 65 yeah. games. Yeah. In 2019-2020. In yeah, so, absolutely. I mean, he scored 42, 43, 44 points that season otherwise. Yeah, and they drafted him knowing he could be an offensive defenseman too. You know, looking at his seasons with the Brendan Weekings, 60 points, 63 points, you know, so he he knows how to put the puck in the back of the net. Um, and you're absolutely right. You know, you, you look at the blue line, and he's probably the next guy after Noah Dobson, who you look to for offensive production. Um, you're not going to probably get that from, from Mayfield. You know, you said – Pellick shows flashes of ability and that that would be great if he could chip in you know five to six you'd be happy with that you would take that from a defensive guy like him um we don't really know yet what Romanov no. can do offensively if he can chip in five or six even that would be great because I'm pretty sure if I'm not mistaken you look at the Islanders goal totals from defensemen last season a- after Noah Dobson it was pretty sparse I mean yeah I mean Chara uh, Andy Green I mean yeah those guys never here, scored Ever. It was Dobson at 13, and then you scroll, it was Pollock at 5. He was the next best. Pellick at 3, Mayfield at 3, Chara at 2. So, you know, if you can get, you know, three or four more from, uh, say, a Romanov, maybe Robin Sallow comes in and he, you know, decides that he's mm-hmm. going to score five or six goals, suddenly now the, the blue line's looking a lot more offensive yeah. and, and the, the, the total production for the team is, is a lot better. I would love for someone to ask, and maybe they have, like whether or not Ryan Pulak feels that he's had to sacrifice some of his offensive game to become the stalwart defenseman that he's become with, with Adam Pellick and overall in his game, even when he's not playing with him. I don't know if anyone's asked him that game. Like is, are are these numbers at all reflective of a, of a change in the way he prioritizes his shifts? Um, The fact that he's going out night after night against the other team's best line and says, I'm going to put my offense, to the side here and I'm going to focus on being a shutdown defenseman. I, I don't know whether or not that's 
been part of the psyche? Or his answer could be no, absolutely not. They just haven't gone in for me. It could be it could be that. Um, I'd be curious to know whether or not um, he's actually changed the way he's played to become such an elite defense defense defensive defenseman. <laughs> I said defensive defenseman about four yeah. times in a row. <laughs> well, it's it's a good point too, right? Because you think about you know at the same time, Pollock's best seasons were in 2019-20. Um, and, and I believe that was the first year of Barry Trotz, right? He he was uh, 10 goals, 35 points that year. But ever since, and I guess, you know, maybe there's something to say about how his seasons went due to COVID and, and then injuries and everything. You know, it plummeted a little bit after that. So you wonder if his deployment um, having changed because of, you know, who left right after the 2019-20 season? Well, Devin Taze was gone. Uh, and then the following season, Nick Letty was also gone. And now all of a sudden, Ryan Pollock is being deployed differently because he's being put out on the ice for more defensive shifts than he is for offensive shifts. There is also the outlier season where, again, he only shot 1.2%. Um, ha- however, you wonder now with a more balanced blue line if he can now be deployed differently. And, and it's not going to be Barry Trotz behind the bench anymore. Mm-hmm. Now it's going to be Lane Lambert. So he could be seeing things through a different lens and, and put him out in different situations. So I, I would bet on, and I think I think it's it was a uh, it was definitely obviously a great piece by you, uh, and I think it would be a good bet to bet on Ryan Pollock improving this season. Uh, I don't I don't see any reason why not, especially if you know the attention might even be drawn off of him as the the main offensive producer on the blue line now with with uh, Noah Dobson's emergence. And I think if you look back to the contract extensions, both he and Pellick signed, he got a bit of a bigger number. Oh, he did. Yeah. And the reason why is because of the offense. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, starting this season, Pollock's coming in at 6.15, whereas Adam Pellick, I believe, is 5.75. Yes. 5.75 million. Um, both contain full no trade clauses and everything. Um but that again, they're both signed through 2028, 29, uh, and 2029-30. Um, those are your that's your top pair defense right there. So if you can get, you know, more offense out of out of one player and, and the same amount of defense that they've been providing overall, suddenly the Islanders blue line's looking a lot better with Romanov in the mix, and, and you're you're hoping that Robin Sallow takes that step up and the Islanders blue line is much more offensive like they had hoped. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and last but not least, to to close out the show, Joe, <laughs> uh, we had a, a a bit of a frenzy today. Listen, I don't want to say that I cracked the code of what might be the actual reverse retro crest, but after the news leaked, right, that the Islanders reverse retro was going to indeed move forward with the fishermen, um, ice aesthetics is that how you say it? Isletics, yeah, ice isletics. Um, reported today that the they had in fact heard the same rumor that um, you know multiple sources indicated to them the Islanders were going with the Fisherman Reverse Retro 2.0, um, but instead of teal, there is going to be no teal. It's just going to be current Islander colors, only blue and orange. Uh, there was a large outcry of 50-50 love or 50-50 hate on this idea of what the reverse retro could could be excuse me and um you know sifting through some of the islander posts and and looking looking at some of the things that have been in the team store you know i came across one of those cool videos that they 
took of the Isles Lab in UBS Arena, where they sell all the Islander merchandise. And I saw one of the shirts sitting on the table that had shown uh, Gorton's Fisherman Islander logo with just blue and orange. And I said to myself, hmm, did the Islanders put this logo out there for sales to see how well received it would be? And ultimately, is that going to be the reverse retro crest? And listen, the fans kind of ran with it. And, they, you know, a couple of people said that's definitely it. There was some love for it. There was some hate for it. Uh, Joe, what are your thoughts on the possible reverse retro 2.0? Yeah. So, I mean, the report, you know, NYI Hockey Now had it. Uh, about a week ago, right? About a week or so ago that the jerseys were likely going to include the fishermen. And in that report, it said that it would include a different darker shade of blue believed to be kind of similar to the Islanders 2019, 2020 reverse color. So when I heard that, I was thinking, okay, it's going to be the, the road fisherman Jersey, but in the more darker, you know, 1999 onwards Islanders, dark Navy color that they wore a couple of years ago for the reverse retro, but I was still expecting teal. The big news today was no teal. And then obviously that the logo then would be altered by not having teal. So I think right now where you're thinking is no wait with, is there going to be a wave? We still don't know about the wave, right? (laughs) (laughs) So wave or no wave, um, but probably the dark, dark Navy Islanders blue with that logo, with the um, white outline on it, with the orange Gorton's fisherman and not the teal one. And uh, we wait, you know, we'll wait to see whether or not the numbers have still that very unique font and whether or not there's still a wave. So if you're going to tell me it's going to be no teal in the logo, the dark, dark Navy blue, you're going to keep the wave, but just be with white orange and, and blue, and then have the same, Interesting. I don't even know what that font is called. I've never seen it anywhere else, but on the that jersey. Oh, but the actual letters, the way that the font for the letters, that's a weird font. Yeah, they're they're wavy. Yeah. So if those are there, <laughs> like a mix of like three or four different elements, which is really the spirit of the whole reverse retro concept, is pulling together two or three different elements, and and here they would be doing that if they went with the dark navy and the fishermen, but then having kind of a crest that's just their traditional um, orange, blue, and white. My original gut was I kind of wanted to see the teal because that's, I guess, I had prepared and thought about it. But I think this will this will probably do quite well. And if I, you're I, people like me and already own the fisherman jersey, then you know, now you have to get another one. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, I, I do want to say that the, the original report from Hockey Now had said that the reverse retro will encompass, quote-unquote, encompass the fisherman logo and style. So that language to me sounds like maybe the wave will, will be returning. Um, ha- however, it will just be in current Islander colors. Now, maybe it is the same colors as the original reverse retro. That would be kind of cool. Um, but yeah, like I said, you know, we we panned over to after hearing about that news um, and, and watching the video from Isethics, um, you know, that I, again, that that logo came up in the Isles Lab team store. And yeah, so it looks like the, you know, the, the Gordon Fisherman is going to be mostly orange. Uh, the hat's orange. Half of the 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 jacket is orange on the right. Uh, a little bit less on the left is it looks a little blue. 
and his face looks, you know, all white. So uh, the thing that stood out to me was that the lettering was all white Islanders, right? And it was outlined in blue. So to me, with the mostly white letters, to me, that that would probably contrast best on a colored jersey. I don't think this is going to be a white jersey. I no. think it's going to be a blue jersey. Some have speculated if they could finally bring an orange jersey into the mix. That sounds not Too much like Lou Lamorello to me. Here's how here's how I picture the the conversation with Lou going with this, right? Uh, Lou, we lost a ton of revenue in the last reverse retro initiative. Uh, nobody bought the jersey just because it was a different shade of what we already have. We're going forward with the reverse retro, whether you like it or not. And here's Lou. <clears throat> no teal. Yeah. Done. <laughs> Do what you want. Just no teal. No teal. Done. And that was it, right? So here we are. Um, no, no confirmation yet. The the Islanders fisherman, uh, Gorton's fisherman sounds to me and sounds to you like it is returning, right? There's just and, as much and there are a lot of really talented graphic designers on Isles Twitter. So, yeah. you know, if you've seen the tweet retweeted from Miles on Isles from James's account, um, if you can take that logo and put it on a dark Navy Islanders jersey, I'd love to see it because I'm trying yeah. to picture it. But the picture that we have is, you know, on like a Heather Gray. Um, but I, I would love to maybe see the uh, likely finished product. So um, we know that people have spent many, many hours putting together various fishermen concepts over the years. Maybe with some of the nuggets that have come out, they can maybe try to nail it. Yeah, I, I bet we do see some of those start to pop up soon. Um, there, there's some excellent concepts out there with both the wave and, and no wave. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I like I like a lot of them. You know, there's here's the thing: you're not if you were anti fisherman logo. The fact that it doesn't have teal doesn't make you oh okay now I like it. Like you're not winning back that that fan is not uh, buying this anyway, <laughs> teal or no teal. And then you wonder whether or not there's people that were pro kind of the, you know, cult classic feel of the old the old jersey and old logo that kind of are disappointed that the teal is not there or, yeah. you know, they or they think it's cool. So, you know, they're trying to maybe hover the line a little bit by by saying, by pulling out certain elements and, and kind of being traditional if you can be with this logo in some way by removing the teal and only keeping the core primary colors. But We'll we'll see. Remember, there was gray in that jersey too. That that old that old navy jersey had had gray on the top. Had a lot going yeah. on. The lighthouse logo yeah. that everyone loves. Um, we'll see. Yeah, it's interesting to me that the lighthouse logo hasn't become a main crest at any point during the uh, Islanders' fifty years now, because it, like you said, that is a a beloved logo. Um, but I do want to talk a little bit about the possible leak that was tweeted out from the Isles Fix account with. Uh, the black Islanders fisherman jersey that almost was or rumored almost it was at least it looked like it was at least pitch. So in the video yeah. on the Isletics website, they talk about this potential change that we just discussed, and then they go a little bit deeper where they said they found um, there was an old Adidas designer um, profile, and within her portfolio, it had. Uh, all the 32 concepts for the reverse retro jerseys. And a lot of them were the ones that the teams went with 
But yeah. the Islander one was drastically different. And what was potentially pitched was going black with the fisherman logo and the teal and the other colors. So a combination yep. of, you know, elements of black that not only was in Brooklyn, but obviously on the I don't even know what you want to call those jerseys they wore during the Mike the Mark uh, Streit era um, Islanders. Um, the the too what, many stripes piping jerseys. The, the Islanders across the chest like a basketball jersey. Um, oh oh yeah yeah no yeah the, so remember the black I mean, you think people think black and they go automatically to Brett Yormark and and Brooklyn but the Islanders had tried black obviously before that as well so um, the assumption made by the uh, the voiceover artist of the video uh, was that uh, this was likely pitched and uh, turned down. Yeah. Listen, as much as I look at that, that concept and I say to myself, me personally, listen, I've, I love black. I wear black all the time. Um, You're wearing I black per- right now. I, yeah. Right now. I personally look at that Jersey. And I'm like, that's kind of sick. I, I think I kind of love that. However, I could absolutely see why it would not go over well with any of the fans in the fan base. Uh, because one, I think the Islander fan base wants to put Brooklyn behind them and never look back. Uh, and and the black jersey is largely associated with that that era of Islanders hockey. Um, and two, that you know, if if half of the fan base already doesn't want the fisherman, you can bet at least a quarter of the fan base doesn't want it in black. So that probably just would not have went over well. And they probably knew that when it was pitched. Um, and I think this time around, they they definitely reworked however that fisherman is going to look. Um, and, and I do assume, like you said earlier, I think this will go over well. Listen, in, in Stefan Rosner's poll that he put out on, uh, you know, are you for or against the, the fisherman jersey? Almost 70 percent of the fans out of t- over, I think, almost 1300 votes voted in favor of it returning. You know, it's going to slant younger, you would think, on social True. media, right? I mean, you know, it, it drives conversation. I mean, anytime you bring up the Fisherman logo, it's not, you know, no one's indifferent about it, certainly. So it's going to there'll be some people that hate it, a lot of people that love it, and a bunch of people probably in between that it doesn't bother one way or the other. Um, I'm excited to see it, though. I think it's been, you know, it's been talked about for so many years now. Would they ever... And uh, we'll see if this is the uh, the final return, and maybe there are future iterations to come of, of this as well. Never as a remember, remember, it's not coming back as the jersey. It's coming back as a as a, as a third jersey worn sparingly. And correct me if I'm wrong. During the 2020 season, when they had the reverse retros, that didn't preclude them from wearing the third jerseys that they've been wearing the last couple no, years, right? It was four so, four jersey rotation. So it. And it might like, and a lot of people really like those jerseys. So it could be part of that four jersey rotation, and not not something they're wearing twelve times a year, but maybe you know four or five. Yeah, it, it, I wonder too how often we're going to see this jersey after this season. Uh, additionally, because two things: one, we didn't see that dark blue jersey after no. uh, the reverse retro year, and two, Adidas is they're done after right. this this season right i think this is their mm-hmm. last go of it so yeah we don't know who's going to take the um, place yet either yeah so we'll see who takes the place and if they're going to maybe rework the jerseys a little bit uh and, and the final note i want to make here uh, on these jerseys too is i'm looking at the the tweet that you put out of the black jersey just to the left of it 
is the Carolina Hurricanes reverse retro that also didn't make it to the final cuts. Um, and it looks like the Connecticut Whalers jersey just in red and white and, mm-hmm. and the black piping like like in uh, uh, Carolina Hurricanes jersey, which looks super intriguing to me. But that also didn't make the final cut. And that just goes to show you how these teams experimented with certain things that could have either been great success or great failures and, and then wound up being cut altogether. So that red Connecticut Whalers jersey looks pretty cool and, and intriguing to me. Hartford. But I could see... What was that? Hartford Whalers. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Hartford Whalers. I'm thinking. <laughs> Connecticut Whale. Uh, uh, the Connecticut Whale women's team now. That's PHF, right? Yes. <laughs> so um, you could see how, you know, maybe the fan base that's in Carolina wouldn't have exactly loved that jersey. Or maybe they would have. You know, who knows? But um, I think that wraps it up for this edition of the Eyes on Isles free podcast. Joe, what do you, uh, what do you think? Any final thoughts? What are we going to talk about next week if nothing happens? <laughs> <laughs> You think you think I just uh, I mean, I just posted an article around individual goal songs because this is what we do in August. Oh, Um, yeah, true. And uh, I doubt that a team run by Lou Lamarillo would ever allow individual goal songs. They wouldn't even allow individual mixed drinks uh, be named at Offside Tavern (laughs) at uh, at UBS Arena. But um, obviously a trend that some teams have picked up on. I doubt it ever comes to Downers and under uh, under Lou. But uh, you know, if nothing happens, we might be uh, breaking down that with uh, the same precision we broke down the fisherman jersey today. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that wraps it up for this Monday edition of the Eyes on Isles podcast. Catch us every Monday. Uh, follow following morning on Tuesday is likely when when you'll hear this. Uh, we'll we'll be doing this weekly, Joe. It's been it's been great so far. Two episodes in, I'm having a lot of fun, uh, and I can't wait to do the next one. Absolutely, can't wait to see what black shirt you wear next week. <laughs> Probably the same yeah. thing was the same one last week, so maybe this is uh, part of the Monday routine. I have like 12 of yeah, these okay. tank tops. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we'll catch you next Monday. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.